All right. So on the Mind of a Football Coach podcast today, we have Coach Beck. Coach, welcome to the podcast. Coach, thanks for having me. Uh, I've listened to quite a few of your podcasts. I'm not going to lie to you and say I've listened to everyone, but uh, quite a few of them. Uh, I think it's uh, just a really cool thing you're doing, and it's great for anybody that's wanting to learn a little bit of extra football. And I think it's a really good tool for West Virginia coaches because uh, I know you have a lot of guys on here, and um, I think it's just awesome. Well, thanks, Coach. It's uh, It started as – yeah, I'll give a little background, actually. That leads into this a little bit. So it start, my thought process was, hey, I want to write a book. And then I realized how time-consuming a book would be. Then I said, what could be easier and cheaper and, for, and potentially free or make money? I don't, I don't have any aspirations of making money on this. But a pot, you know, the idea of podcasting came up. And, oh, okay, look, we can do that. And <laughs> shoot five years later or whatever it is six years later here we are uh, yeah. doing this well coach enough about me please tell the listener about yourself and i will step out of the way uh thanks coach um was not a whole lot to it really i grew up in williamstown played here um when i was in 10th grade so when i was in eighth grade i remember watching the varsity team their own 10 own 10 williamstown and um we and I grew up watching we saw high school football and we had some good teams. My uncle was part of a lot of really good teams, and it seems like you'd have a good team like most small schools. Like once every four or five years, we would pop off a really good season, right? Yeah. And my sophomore year, Coach Buttry comes in and coaches us and um really had a huge impact on the program and a huge impact on my life, uh, as far as who I am today and it's still a lot of values that I have. But he came in and that's when like Williamstown football changed. And I was very fortunate to be part of the next three years. My sophomore junior season played at Williamstown. Uh, we made the playoffs, got the school's first ever playoff win. My senior year, we made it to the double A semifinals, uh, lost to Bridgeport. Uh, went up there, that was a neat experience. So went off to college to view. Um, avid football fan, still came back and watched all the games, Williamstown games when I was in town. Uh, came back and uh, Coach Smith said, hey, Actually, Coach Butcher was at PHS, and Coach Smith was at Weavestown. I came back in town, and I mentioned that I was interested in coaching. They both said, hey, would you like to come coach for us? You know, Coach Butcher at PHS, and uh, Coach Smith was at Weavestown. I decided to stay home at Weavestown. So, for the next 12 years, I had Coach Smith. And for sure, if you don't know uh, Coach Smith, he was a longtime head coach here at Weavestown, part of the program's assistant, uh, then became the head coach. And um, I think his first football season was 2004. But just crazy numbers on Coach Smith. I think he was a head coach for 16 years. Mm. Went to semifinals at least 11 of those years. Had an 80% winning percentage. Just really, uh, in my mind, one of the best high school football coaches uh, this state has had the pleasure of having. And Mm. definitely one of the uh, small school best coaches ever. So for 12 years, I worked for him. Coaching the offensive line, which was pretty consistent for me throughout. Uh, I always was in charge of the line. Defensively, uh, I <laughs> kind of moved around a little bit. I've coached linebackers. I've coached secondary. I've coached defensive line on that side. Just kind of wherever um, the staff, where Coach Smith really needed me. Mm-hmm. And then as I put together the staff I have now, I, I kind of looked at their strengths, weaknesses, and kind of went in or maybe we're a little bit short. But um, – 
so I did that for uh, 12 years as assistant coach Smith. Um, he retired and um, I, I became the head coach and it's uh, it's really a dream come true for me to coach alma mater. Um, all I've known is Williamstown football uh, next to my family. I mean, nothing may mean more to me than Williamstown football. Uh, we've been very blessed and fortunate to have a lot of great young men come through our program. Uh, and some background on Williamstown, we're a single-A school. We have been since 2002. There was a while in the 90s and stuff. We bounced between double and single-A. Mm -hmm. uh, since 2000, uh, we've been to the playoff 22 straight times. We've won 81% of our games. We've been to the championship uh, nine times, uh, being uh, state champions in 2008, my first year as assistant, and then 2014. So, and that's just, um, it's been an unbelievable experience in riding our program. And it starts, I mean, I think I talked about it in my introduction there. When Coach Buttry came my sophomore year, um, the whole culture changed. We implemented a weight program. We implemented an off-season program. And um, I remember being a sophomore and we're in the summer working out and a couple guys, seniors, pretty good athletes, weren't showing. Uh, a few days later, I see their name tags coming off the locker. And it was kind of like a message to everybody. Hey, man, don't care who you are. If you're not here, you don't need to be part of this. You're, you're either in or out. Mm -hmm. Being in means you're here. You're being accountable to your teammates. You're here every day. Um, and that culture change has kind of festered itself to it's just the expectation now and the standard we got that um, are all in. I mean, I talk to some guys and they say, oh, we had 20 guys in the weight room. And I'm sitting there thinking, well, you got 40 guys on your roster. How come you only have 20 in the weight room? For us, there is no such thing as an unexcused absence that's um, acceptable. Mm. Um, you can certainly miss stuff, conditioning and things. If you're on family vacations, we have a list of things that we go through. And we certainly know our got young men have lives outside of football. But, I mean, if we're going to be good and do the things we want to do, I mean, it requires a commitment uh, from everybody. And we've just been fortunate to have that. And when Coach Butcher came, we had a group of seniors, uh, Brian Haynes being one of them. Brian Haynes is now the tight ends coach, special teams coordinator at Appalachian State. Oh, geez. Um, yeah, I mean, his senior class uh, bought in, just said, oh, we're, we're with you. We're, we're sick of losing. Mm -hmm. um, and we're going to do this. And uh, my sophomore year when Coach Butcher came, we went five and five. And I remember after that last game, there was cake and balloons in the locker room. Everybody was just so dang excited to be five and five. Mm. Um, so for me, the interesting part is going from that as a player and seeing the change and the build to now. I mean, this past year, we lost week one to Waterford. Mm. One of the more disappointing losses I've been a part of in the four years, 14 years I've coached game and it wasn't to take anything away from Waterford but a game we felt like we should have win and you come in that weekend and look at my phone over the weekend you would have thought this town I mean you you thought the place was on fire you lose a game now and uh you know yeah. people you know, I always chuckle with that I think it's great that we have those expectations but I chuckle can I think about the 15 year old in the locker room with balloons and cake because we went five and five <laughs> so it's just the yeah. Progression 
and how our culture and program has changed is just, uh, it's been an unbelievable experience for me and taught me so much. And I've formed so many relationships with it. Um, it's just a neat, it's a neat program to be part of where the community certainly has expectations for you and your team. I have expectations of the community. We hold each other accountable because uh, at the end of the day, we're all in it for the same reason. We want our young men to have the best chance to be successful on the field and in life. And uh, our community has always stepped up with any type of support we need they're in when it comes to spending money our young people our community um is second to none in regards to that and um it, so that's just a little bit of background on me and the program and where we're at and I, i'm certainly proud to be a yellow jacket and um i i think it's probably to me it's the when i got the job i told folks this it's the best small school job in the state mm. um, for a litany of reasons, but really comes down to the people. And that's from the players to the families and the community are just unbelievable. Mm. Cause that's great to hear you talk about that. It's, it's so cool to, to hear about a place that is completely bought in with football and athletics. And I think very highly of my community as well. I think they're, you know, they want to be good and we're, we're bought in and going, but it's cool to hear another story like that, to hear, uh, you know, like how the community expects the the football program to be, but at the same time, they give you the resources to do that. That's really, that's really neat. Yeah. And the community just wants a, a, a team they can be proud of and they can rally behind. Um, and it's common ground. And, mm -hmm. and I think, that a lot recently in a you know our country gets so divided recently and reds and blues uh i'm certainly certainly proud to be living here in weebstown because i think all that goes away when you talk about yellow jackets i think we're, we're all maroon and gold yeah and we're all for the same cause we all want the same thing and uh to unify behind each other and help lift each other up it's really um just a unique place Mm-hmm. I was at, we talked about this. I was at your state semifinal game at Doddridge County and I kind of stood on y'all's side and that just spoke to me. I mean, you saw all kinds of age ranges walking to the side. People were all in maroon and gold and Doddridge was the same way too, but it was cool to see that, you know, like, okay, this is, you see people who look like they're 80 all the way down to little kids and the place was packed and Williamstown everywhere. And that's, that's a testament to Williamstown football and what, what you've done there as well, coach. It's funny you say that. Cause after a game, win or lose, I have a few people text me. And, um, in, in those age ranges, I'll have guys that played for me. They're, they're low twenties to, um, young or not young, some elderly men and women, women as well, mm. in their 80s text you. And, and usually they're not giving you a heck either, they're just saying, hey, great effort tonight. Win or lose, usually they say that. Um, mm. And uh, it's just a unique spot. I mean, it really is. And um, it, it, it has to do with the people. And we have some built-in advantages, I know, at Williamstown, um, in regards to or single A school that's town-based, or if you go like Calhoun County, Gilmer County, it's so broad. Yeah. You're talking about a little town of about 3,500 people that um, want nothing but to see 
their yellow jackets play hard, uh, play as hard as they can for as long as they can. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you talk about city versus county here in Buckhannon Upshur. It's, I mean, we have a, a bigger city for West Virginia and Buckhannon, but we do draw the whole county. So there's a little different feel to that because you got kids that are they're on, they're on a bus for an hour or more yeah. getting to school and uh yeah it's just interesting you talk about that city versus county and how that can definitely be different i think it's a huge difference um for us like when i'm getting on a kid for not being in the weight room the likelihood is he lives five blocks over yeah um and yeah. if he's not there what happens a lot of times you know, it's getting close to lift time. Whereas Johnny, his buddy are getting in the truck, go knock on the door. You need to get in here. Yeah. Coach is looking for you. Uh, whereas if you're county based, I mean, that kid could be an hour away. Yeah. Uh, so it, so certainly, um, I, I did. I think I'd be remiss if I didn't recognize some of the built-in advantages we have geographically. Yeah, but at the same time, you guys have been so consistent. I remember when I first moved here. I can't remember exactly when I heard the name Williamstown football, but I kept seeing, you know, I get here in 2015 to the state of West Virginia and you're looking at the playoffs. And it's Williamstown year after year after year. And I'm thinking to myself, man, that su- sustained success is awesome. And then it led, I didn't know coach Smith at all, but then I know we started texting during the COVID season, trying to find games. That was a wild time. Uh, and then we now we text more because we just become friends. Uh, but man, it's been it's been cool to see that just like you talked about, Williamstown football has been good for so long. What does that feel like though for you to be the head coach now? Because that has to be a weight that's pretty heavy sometimes, you know. Well, it's um, one thing I remember talking to Coach Givens about because uh, you know little background story probably nobody knows is we all knew coach smith retired uh, a little bit in advance quite a bit in advance okay 2019 was you we knew that was the last ride and um at the time like that winter leading up that season it was it was for all of us we're all going to be done um and uh including myself i, I mean i was going to be hey he's done i've done this a while uh maybe it's time for me to step away too and mm-hmm. uh I actually changed my mind because he had talked to me before. Hey, you know, is this something you want to do when I step away? And at the time, uh, no. And, you know, I was, we were all going to myself, coach Moore, and others. Mm-hmm. Then in that spring, I decided, um, you know what? Yeah, I, I think I want to keep doing this. Yeah. But um, one thing I had told Coach Gibbons is, you know, I'm not Coach Smith, not going to, um, I'm not going to try to be. I think you got to be yourself. Mm-hmm. And uh, certainly, uh, tell you when we lost to Waterford, it's a very somber feeling that weekend in the house. And we're getting ready for the first game against Marietta, Ohio. Uh, the nerves there, because in the back of your mind, you do think like, hey, if, you know, we get a little sideways. And for us, you know, that's like six, four, seven, three. <laughs> yeah. um, and people aren't going to be happy. I mean, I mean, how do you follow that? I mean, yeah, I mean, it's tough to follow a larger than life figure like that that's had so much success. Mm-hmm. Um, but really, what I kind of thought about too is, um, 
a lot of what I do is in testament to him and how great of a coach he was because I think I said it getting ready for championship game. Um, some folks were asking, you know, surprised to be there. And for us, it's not a surprise. Um, I think one of the things, one of the greatest testaments to his coaching ability is some guys leave programs and they fall on their face. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, coach so-and-so is gone. Now they're struggling. Um, coach Smith built something to last. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's what separates him from being a good or great coach mm-hmm. to when you're talking about the best all time, because if you're one of the best to do it, and this isn't a knock against anybody, mm-hmm. If you leave and that program falls on its face, did you really build a program and a culture that was, I mean, I think mm-hmm. part of one of the best to do is building something that is bigger than you and it's got mm-hmm. to last far beyond you. Mm-hmm. And that's what we talk about. We've talked a lot. This program is bigger than any one person. Mm-hmm. Uh, long after I'm not the head coach or involved with the program, there's still going to be Weavestown football. And the goal is there's still going to be winning a lot of games. And, mm-hmm. um, and that's a testament to the program. It's, Program is bigger than any one person. I think that's one of the core pillars he put in place here was um, nobody's too big for the program. Uh, and I talked about Coach Buttry cut guys loose. Uh, there's been some guys we cut loose and when I was an assistant. Uh, as an assistant, I wasn't real happy that we cut him loose at times. He did sure. It. Yeah, he said, oh, yeah, he's not along on the team. Uh, some guys could help us win some games, but. Uh, I think the overarching thing was, hey, we have some core principles we believe in as far as accountability and responsibility. And um, if you veer out of that, you're, you're not too big for us. You know, we'll move on. Mm. And, and we've been able to do that. That's awesome, Coach. So, Coach, let's talk a little X's and O's. We talked that you you spoke in Ohio and you're going to speak in West Virginia about mm-hmm. your offense. Do you call the offense, Coach? Yeah, yeah, okay. I call the offense. Yeah. Okay, uh, so – Please, if you wouldn't mind, just kind of go into the X's and O's as much as you want to, and then we'll we'll go from there. For us, we're not complex. Um, we're really not, and I, and I think our opponents would tell you that. Um, for us, we want to run the ball. Um, but, you know, bottom line, we want to run the ball. Uh, we think that's important to win in West Virginia and to have the success we want to have. Uh, so for that – we're, we're going to dress up power cow and ISO as much as we can from as many different looks as we can. Hmm. Um, at the core, you know, I guess for an offensive philosophy, we want to establish her out and be physical. Uh, we pound that entire guys on the head. We want to be the most physical team on the field. And part of that's around the ball. We want to establish the run. Uh, second thing we look for is get the ball in the hands of our best players. Hmm. Don't make it too complex. Um, when we won on the state championship throughout in 14, uh, Dakota Watson uh, may have been the best single leg player in the state. Tremendous, tremendous player on both sides of the ball. Very, very good. Um, and if you look at the quarterfinal, semifinal, and final games, he averaged 40 carries. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, I mean, during our season, he never had more than 25 carries. But it came crunch time, the playoffs, um, get the ball in Dakota's hands, and let's see what happens. So we want to, you know, establish around, be physical, get the ball in the hands of our best players, look complex, but be simple. Mm. At the end of the day, you're still playing kids. You're not playing other coaches. So, mm. you know, you may be getting ready for us and know, hey, it's power counter ISO with some variations to it. But we want to present as many different looks and motions as we can to confuse the, the, the players, the guys on the field. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, at the end of the day, if we can um, misplace one with some motion, if we can misdirection, get them out of line, or get their eyes in a different spot for a couple of seconds, uh, that, that's what we try to do. Uh, ball security. Uh, and then part of our offense is, you know, using special teams as a offensive play for us mm-hmm. yep. uh, and spending time on that. Um, I think that's something that Coach Smith stressed and we've carried on. I mean, we, we work special teams every day and not just we always have specialists, but right out of the shoot, our guys know actually they could probably tell you every five minute segment we have. But first t- uh, 10 to 15 minutes, first two or three periods there. It's going to be special team work. We're going to do punt. We're going to do kickoff or kickoff return. Whatever the case may be, we're going to work it right out of the gate um, every practice. But um, so in a nutshell, that's what we do offensively. Um, we're not the most complex by any stretch, but we can um, – one thing that we've evolved into is – I've seen some film of what you guys do, mm. and it reminds me so much of our offense for so long, actually, what, mm. what you – are doing right now. Mm-hmm. I remember when Coach Buttry came, we had two formations, mm-hmm. I believe, first year. And we've kind of added on as we went along, but it was just eye backs, power eye, mm-hmm. ice, power counter. Uh, what we kind of evolved to over the years and to where we're at now, uh, we can run power from two back sets uh, in the eye, two back sets in the gun, a one back set. Uh, we've re- This year, we started running power from empty uh, mm-hmm. as well with the H back kind of coming across. So again, it's just us finding as many ways to move the pieces, but your front five still running power, mm-hmm. power and power and power and um, ISO and counter and those things. And mm-hmm. we're very um, methodic in what we do. Um, one thing offensively that I learned from coach Moore. Um, so coach Smith, Brightly gets a lot, a lot of attention for mm-hmm. his work at Williamstown. But a guy that gets lost in all of it is Coach Scott Moore, who was offense coordinator for uh, Coach Smith. Um, and as good as assistant coaches, you're fine and just organized mm-hmm. to a T, really, mm-hmm. really organized. Um, I remember learning so much from him. And one of the things that have carried over for me is I track every play we run uh, in any type of team or group setting. Okay. I know from uh, the middle of June until the end of the regular season, we had 3,100 reps on offense. Oh, wow. Oh, I, I ran power 200 times. I ran power read 150 times. I ran my traditional counter tray 150 times. I know <clears throat> exactly what we've repped and how many times we've repped. I think you got to be conscious in what you're doing. Mm. And so for me, I have an Excel spreadsheet, the, the huge one by the end of the year, right? Mm-hmm. But every week at the top, I'll have, if it's a game week, we'll have Magnolia and I'll have the two or three defenses listed right beneath it, then all the plays. And then I just put how many times we ran it. But we do that clear in June and it helps me track how many times we ran the play, number one. Uh, number two, I know gets what fronts we ran it against. I think that's important um, to mix up your fronts in the summer and the winter and have your scout team running those. So there's nothing that happens offensively. Now, an Indy's different. So we ran 3,000 plays. Um, that's counting like inside run, seven on 17, goal line. Right. We, there's additional work, right? So as offensive line coach, if I know power and counter from the install, um, we're going to rep the, we're going to put that in. We're going to rep it. 
and mm-hmm. Indy. In Indy, you spend time working your individual drills, but we also rip rep install for that day or what the focus is that day uh, for us. So we're going to go over and over and over. And what that leads to on offense for us is um, consistency in what we do, hmm. consistency in our assignments. Um, up front, I'm, you know, I'm really proud of the work we've done over the years. And this year we had three sophomores starting offensive line. Hmm. And, um and those guys, I think getting those reps, I think is really important. So I think for us offensively, I told you kind of philosophy around the ball, power, counter, ISO, and finding different ways. To do that. Um, for And for me, the reason we've done that um, on a gap scheme basis, I mean, you hear zone, inside zone, outside zone, and all that. Mm-hmm. To me, that's like big on big blocking, man blocking, mm-hmm. you know, blocking your area, yeah. which is good. I mean, I, I think inside outside zone, that's really good stuff. But for me, we've always been gap scheme just because of the angles we could create mm-hmm. and to get extra guys to the point of attack. Yeah. Uh, for us, it's always about angles. Um, I, th- I know we even talked ISO. Mm-hmm. We always just base block it. You know, we'll exit, we'll do some different things because mm-hmm. in our line, we're always trying to create angles and create matchups on their best players. Mm-hmm. Uh, so for us, it's always been comfortable. And then the other reason, I mean, I think you want to go out and learn new stuff, and I'm we're adding stuff to us, but I think you got to look at like if I put it inside zone, outside zone, I don't know enough about it to have answers. Yeah, you know, that's I, it. Yeah, I've been doing power counter ISO trap and what we call scissors, which a lot of people call darts. We do scissors. It's a little bit different variation, but yeah, I I've done it long enough now that hey, if I get a heads look. Or if I get an end that's doing this, I know, hey, how we can adjust the blocking or what our answer is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's where, for us, at least, um, not doing the most typical thing, latest trends, uh, we stay the course. Mm-hmm. There's so much information out there. I think it's a little bit funny because there's so much information out there, not only for you and me, but your players and parents. Yeah. So you get text from players all the time. Look at this concept. That's really cool. Yeah. So you get all that stuff in, uh, but to me, I'm always looking at our house is applied to what we do. How's it add on to that? Mm-hmm. And if we're adding on a completely new concept, some concept has got to go because we've got to make sure that our playbook and our menu is right. uh, reasonable and our kids can consume it. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, that's what it's about for us. Um, I know I talked to program already, but you're seeing our weight room and what I tell our guys at daily alignment, assignment, effort. Mm. line that's what we want to get lined up right we want to know our assignment and give total effort mm. and if we do those things it's, it's going to put you in a good spot most games now sometimes other guys have some dudes and you end up some bad spots but our kids got to know what they're doing um mm. so for i mean that's how we kind of look at it and how offensively how i look at it is I mean, we're going to dress these things up as many ways as we can we're going to create the matchups we can mm. and part of creating those matchups that we can it's getting that ball in the hands of your best players um, and just dressing up on how you do that. And for a single A school, um, I'll tell you that, I mean, one thing we did a lot better this year is personnel. Hmm. And what I mean by that is a lot of folks are saying, well, Hey, you idiot. You know, we've been doing this for years, but <laughs> for us, the small school, you get your best 11 out there. You think you're your best 11, right? Right. You don't, a lot of rotations. 
this year in offense, we had guys running out of every other play. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was based upon what we were doing. If we go on a two-back set, we have a true fullback. He'd mm-hmm. be in. If not, we're going to put an extra receiver or tight end, depending on what we're doing. Um, and that's all part of us just trying to dress up what we do um, and trying to do it in different ways. Like, um, like East Hardy, we ran probably 10 or 12 plays from an inverted wishbone with two tight ends. Oh, geez. We were Heck in quads. Yeah. I mean, if, I mean, we're going to do what it takes to win. So for us, it's finding those matchups, finding what we do, how it's not about for us. Some guys say, oh, power is no good against this team or this concept's no good against this team. And the run game for us, no power is always good. It's just a matter of how we're going to make it good. Yeah. Based yeah. on personnel, matchup, or scheme. So we're going to run power one way or another. Mm-hmm. It's not off the playbook, but how are we going to get there to run it? Mm-hmm. Uh, so, and that's just kind of what we've been pretty successful at uh, in recent years. I know mm-hmm. I kind of handled there. No, Coach, that's awesome because <laughs> we texted a lot about this. So I wanted to really hear you talk about it because I think it's it's great and hearing your thought process and how you even chart your reps during the summer. I've never – actually, I've heard of one guy do that that I coach for. Uh, but, yeah, one guy in all these years. That's really interesting. So, do you – is it t- – when you got in the practice field, are you completely scripted? Do you know all the plays you're running that day? Yeah. Okay. Yep. Okay. Yep. Uh, anything in group we know. Um, now we'll do some two minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that, that's kind of, you know, just not scripted. Sure. Um, we do a couple other competitive periods. Um, we play it's something called 13 point game mm. um, where we have our, our number one O against our defense just passes. It's like seven on seven, but with a rush, right. And it's full go okay um, we'll do that and first we have a scoring system first one of 13 wins and um you know if the you know single a school sometimes your next 11 don't give you the competition you want so mm-hmm. it's not uncommon for us to have 12 or 13 guys on defense uh, and bring okay. us or whatever but um, that's not scripted but for the most part we're you know we're scripted um we provide <laughs> it's a little bit funny i laugh because we're very structured in mm-hmm. what we and our kids know our practice schedule. Mm. Uh, it doesn't take them long. Uh, for us, like a big mix up is one day I decide we're going to do kickoff before punt on a Tuesday. Oh, man. So I go to the boat to whistle. Kids are going to punt. They know what's next. And I saw say kickoff and they'll catch me like, aren't we supposed to be doing punt right now? Yeah. I said, yeah, we, we flipped them today. And, um, so we try not to do that too much on them, but our kids are very routine oriented in Mm. what they do. And part of that though, I think you, I think there's a lot of advantages to being able to go off script and practice and call things. Mm. Um, But for us, what we try to do since we're so scripted is we're going to do third and shorts and our kids know, all right, it's Mm. third and one. This is the play third and two, third and Mm. three. Yeah. We work red zone. Mm -hmm. It, it, It lets them buy in and know, um, could I've had guys tell me it's a third and short and we call play and they'll come over. Well, I didn't know if you'd go with that over ISO if we're going to try to do that scissors we repped in practice because mm-hmm. they know, hey, we, these are the things we practice right for these situations. Um, but so if you're not, if you're going to be as scripted as we are, um, then certainly you better 
have things in your practice schedule to where you're working third downs, you're very segmented in what the kids know, and the kids know that. But, yes. That's awesome, Coach. Man, I'm I'm listening and just learning from this. I'm just soaking this all (laughs) in, my friend. I don't know about that. Uh, I mean, hopefully folks get an idea or two. Um, And then for us, I mean, the only thing that we may do different on power and counter and stuff is we mix up who we kick Mm. based on looks. I think that's important for everybody. I think um, one thing I'll challenge guys is on power, typically it's the in-man line of scrimmage, Mm -hmm. uh, which puts your tight end down. Mm -hmm. I think that becomes very tricky when you have a C-gap and D-gap player. Like if you have a five and a nine. Yeah. Um, I don't know about you, but like I was at that Ohio clinic and um, a division one coach was talking about uh, Lake, what, St. Ed's head coach? He talked about power as well. Okay. He was showing it, and it was great stuff, but his tight end, 6'5", 250. And when he blocks down that defensive end, you mean, they're yeah. getting, you know, if you're in single A or, you know, West Virginia, your tight end may not be a guy that matches up with wealth defensive end. So yeah. think about if you want to kick. Uh, for us, uh, as offensive line guy, uh, the flat pool, square pool, whatever you want to call it, versus skip pool, we teach one pool. It don't matter for right. us, one pool. We flat pull. We don't skip pull ever. And there's a lot of reasons for that because if you're on trap, if you're on counter, those are kick out blocks. Mm-hmm. We just want to teach our guy one deal. Mm-hmm. One pool with the same pool. And actually at that clinic in Ohio, it's pretty cool. We're running a counter tray and I had it in slow mo- motion with the garden tackle. And for four steps, I mean, they are in sync and rhythm. Mm-hmm. I mean, just like they're in a choreographed dance for a little bit. And I think it's a testament to our kids and how hard they work, but it's one consistent pool no matter the situation for us um, and how we do things. But, you know, offensively, um, I mean, our fans will be the first to tell you we're not the most complex. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> offensive coordinator in the stands. Um, and I do think that, uh, and you're a head coach, and I think you call offense too, right? Um, and for me – it was a uh, conscious decision to call offense. Mm-hmm. I always felt like um, the average fan really doesn't care about cover three, cover, cover two. Right. Everybody has an opinion on what play you should be running. Oh, sure. So, yeah. As the head coach calling offense, one of the reasons I decided to do that, because I, I feel like the offense gets criticized the most. And I want that on me. I don't want it on any of the assistants. Um, I always – Coach Smith did a great job with it when Coach Moore called offense. But um, I remember Coach Moore getting so much heck. And I remember just thinking, you know, if I'm ever the head guy, I'm going to call the offense. Uh, because if someone's going to catch it, I want it to be me. Um, and if you're not calling the offense, um, certainly you want to give credit to the guy calling the offense, but you also got to know how you can shield him a little bit. Because, um, I, like I said, everybody's an offense coordinator. Uh, oh, sure. Here you are. But anyway, so offensively, that's some of the things we do. And um, and we've been able to have some success with it. Um, and a lot of that has to do with the guys you have, the players you have. Mm-hmm. And defensively, if, I mean, it's, it's well known Williamstown is 4-4, cover three. That's when I've talked to people uh, around the state. That is what they y'all hang your hat on is it still the is that still the case i mean i, I watched y'all play I, I that's what i thought that's what i thought i saw i just wanted to get your your take on that that's what we hang our hat on uh that's um alignment it comes back to alignment 
assignments. Um, we've gotten so many big plays on busted coverages and uh, misassignments. We're going to try to be pretty simple on defense and do what we do. Mm. Um, so four, four cover three, um, which is a little bit of a bend, but don't break. I know at times, but sure. for us getting eight guys in the box against a run, uh, playing that soft cover three over top is kind of, it's tough for teams to put 10, 12 play drives together. Yeah. Uh, very tough without doing something, without doing, making some kind of mistake. Mm-hmm. Now, I will say, you know, um, well, I mean, we, when it comes to playoff time, some of that stuff gets adjusted. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you're one of the Eastern Panhandle to play East Hardy, I don't think you can stay in 4 4 cover three all the time. Yeah, they could sling it a little bit over there. Well, they, they throw it around. So, actually, um, we've ran those guys a few times. So, we do more two man, three, and some mm-hmm. stuff. And um, this year, we actually ran some three, four against East Hardy. Nice. Um, and but trying to keep it simple for the kids so the defensively same deal um i think i think you know where we're going to line up Mm -hmm. um, but we're going to try to execute at a really high level sure you know zero thinking fly to get to the ball and you know i think you always have answers for things and four four cover three certainly we hang our hat on but um we've had a lot of success i mean defensively one of the things we've d- done a great job and I used to so when I was assistant I charted every play that the team ran I go through film all weekend and excel sheet mm-hmm. and track down tendencies then me and coach Smith would go through them but um mm-hmm. and now you with huddle I think you, you mean you got to be aware of what the other team wants to do and take that away mm-hmm. and if you got to take that away um by having some a couple wrinkles that week. I mean, that's what you do. Uh, I think the game you're at, Dodgers, very run heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, and they have some oversets. They do a lot of unbalanced and things. And mm-hmm. we have a couple checks for them uh, sure. based on information, uh, the things that we would get into. And we were able to have some success, uh, at least in that game. That game, I think you were at, um, I mean, that game wouldn't play out like that again, ever again. Uh, things just snowballed on them. Yeah, and um, certainly that's a very good team that just had a had an off afternoon and everything that could go wrong for them was there at the mm-hmm. beginning. Mm-hmm. Our guys did a great job of capitalizing on that, but um, but I think you know four four cover three and there's a few reasons it's been really good to us. Is one alignment assignment it usually prevents the big play for us at mm-hmm. least in our experience. And um, I mean I don't know about you, but in class A that we see man 90, 95% of the time. Really? I mean, a lot of man. I mean, huh. a lot. Uh, of course, for us, everybody's trying to stop the run. We see a lot of cover zero, cover one. Mm-hmm. But also, when you go back and you look, and a lot of other teams are doing. Um, so there's not a lot of quarterbacks, at least, that I don't think are developed enough to go through the progressions on zone. Mm. Uh, our inside linebackers have done a tremendous job over the years with interceptions mm-hmm. on slants and curls. I think it's just a adjustment for folks to go to zone. At least it's, I, at least I feel like it's been advantageous for us. Mm-hmm. And the past is um, it's a little bit against the norm in regards to what maybe our opponents typically see, but mm-hmm. four, four cover three, uh, we have a uh, two man, but we have some blitzes, um, 
this year we got into, like I said, against East Hardy, some three, four mm-hmm. uh, concepts, because I do think with the four, four, um, you got to have answers to really good spread teams. Yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah. that's another tool for us, at least when we play those teams is, is for that. I watched the guy at that Ohio clinic present on it four or five years ago. <laughs> they were a base four, four team. He talked about what they did against the spread uh, so we kind of, I kind of filed that away and um, we, we were able to leverage against East Hardy. I think we had four or five interceptions when we went out there um, in the quarterfinal game. Um, and it's probably something, at least for us that week, I know they haven't seen us in a three, four ever. Yeah. But that's awesome. There's a lot to be said for doing what you do, but having a wrinkle, you know, to throw, throw somebody off. Yeah. And I think that's the, the that's the challenge every week for us is um, you put your base stuff in. You, I think I really believe we're always going to be power counter ISO four four cover three, but how are you going to dress it up or what's your wrinkle that week? Um, I think you always want to have something maybe they haven't seen. And when I say haven't seen, I don't mean a completely new play. We're going to run power, but maybe we shift to it. Maybe we get to it from empty. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, before that used to, again, that game, it's a playoff game. We had never been in an inverted wishbone two tight end set before. That was a we put in that week. Hmm. And it's it's a wrinkle that's so easy because up front, still power and ISO. Hmm. I mean, I just got to get the skill guys on the same page on what we're doing. Yeah, yeah. Not overload them. So, I remember Coach Butchery talking about when we took over when I was a sophomore, the KISS philosophy. Hmm. And we certainly – still abide by that. Keep it simple, stupid. I don't try to outthink myself. Um, we just want to do what we do and maybe dress it up. Um, and one thing you like for your program, for your offense, for your deep, you got to have those foundational things. You know, what are your footers? What are you basing the whole thing on? And those things can't change in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. In an era we have all this information and our players' expectations have changed, have we relaxed things at Williamstown? You can bet your butt we've bent in a couple areas. You see some of our guys with longer hair now. They still can't touch their shoulders, but they're allowed to have longer hair. Um, For a long time, you didn't hear rap music in our locker room. That's in there. Mm -hmm. But today, we can bend on a lot of things, but the things we can't bend on are accountability and hard work mm. and being accountable, being there, putting in the work. Those are never negotiable in our program, but other things can be. And mm. I think you can be flexible and fluid as a program to see how that goes and things you can do. What are, what are going to be your foundational issues, things to your core beliefs that you're not going to leave. Mm. You know, it's not in that. Then the rest of the stuff, if you have if you haven't identified as being that core to your program, then those to me are things that uh, can be negotiable with the players a little bit, hmm. or, or with whoever things that you may be able to bend on, and so um, let them have their voice and their say. And, and it's the same thing when you set up your offense for us. Power counter ISO always going to be that foundation that we're hmm. on, hmm. and we'll go from there for defense four four cover three. That's our foundation. That's our pillar. That's our line in the sand. When stuff's tight, we know we have that. Mm. Uh, so I think establishing those and what you're going to be about, mm. um, I think, is is a tougher. 
because you hear so much stuff from so many people, which is all good information. Like there's so much information out there to like overload, but no one at the end of the day, when I jot all this stuff down, this is our core fun offense philosophy, defensive philosophy. And even when I look at what other programs are doing with their culture or whatever, does that fit to what we're about? Because for us, it all feeds into each other. Mm -hmm. Accountability and hard work and what we do in the great weight room, we're there every day. We're going to get our butts as strong as we can be. And then so if I'm as if I'm big and strong and I feel like I work my butt off, power. Mm-hmm. And that's what much philosophy power. We're gonna run power. We lift, we do things the way we do, and we're kind of blue collar, run the ball, and our weight room set up that way. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not gonna, you know, do some of these other things or finesse things. At the end of the day, we're gonna bench, we're gonna squat, we're gonna do deadlifts, we're gonna do power cleans. Because for us, it's that whole culture of um, we want to be more physical than you. And for me, there's nothing more physical than power and ISO on offense mm. uh, and then run to the ball on defense. But um, so I think you got to have all those pillars and they all got to feed into each other. And if you get there, I think you can have some success. Uh, I'm fortunate. And uh, some folks will listen to this, and, I, and I'm going to tell you, I'm very fortunate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I was given the keys to a Mustang. Some of you guys were given the keys to a little Nissan, 1997 Nissan or something. You're trying to fix it up. But for me, that foundation has been laid. The house is up, and I'm just looking at some shutters or something mm-hmm. because um, Coach Smith and Coach Butcher beforehand did, did such an awesome job of making our foundation stro- so strong and a culture where at our core, uh, we're going to work our butts off. And um, when I speak in West Virginia, I'll say the same thing at the clinic. So it's a, like a preview here. I mean, what separates our program? I think we work hard. Hmm. And other guys say we work hard. All the, I mean, everybody says they work hard, but I mean, at the end of the day, that's it. we work really hard. Our kids work really hard. Hmm. And part of that is we don't miss lifts. Part of that is during the season, we still get two lifts in a, a day. And one of those is Wednesday at 6 a.m. We lift before school. That's how we get our second lift in. Mm-hmm. Making commitment to work hard throughout the whole deal. When you're playing baseball, basketball, are you still getting your lifts in? Mm-hmm. Uh, turning your equipment, you've got to tell me for the winter, are you doing are you doing uh, basketball for wrestling? If the answer to those, no, both times, I'll see you Monday in the weight room. There's not a lot of conversation on that. And if you're doing those two other sports, which I highly encourage, you should be a multi-sport guy, get lifts in. You still got to find a way to get lifts in and really commit to that. Um, our kids, though, they just buy in. If I give them a week off, I gave them a week off between the championship and conditioning, mm-hmm. and I go in after school, I bet we still had a dozen guys in the weight room. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have to be told they don't have to be anything. You know, you have a dead week in the summer, which you don't have any contact, which we actually abide by mm-hmm. people. I don't know if they do, but that dead week, there's no interaction with our coaches and our players and we have no scheduled team events, but I know our kids are still lifting somewhere because mm-hmm. that's how they're built. That's how they go about their business. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then we've gotten our program to a point where they hold each other. So accountable, um, a lot of times I don't even have to. Mm. What I mean by that is if, the, if Johnny's not there at 5.55 for a 6 a.m. lift, 
Mike and Tim are going to his house and get, I don't even have to say anything at the time. Um, they know and if you're cutting your apps or anything, they're on each other right mm-hmm. then. Uh, so I think it's the credit goes to Coach Smith, Coach Buttry, and what they've built and um, credit our players for just, just buying in and wanting to be all in on this. Hmm. Coach, this is awesome, man. You have, you have given us so many nuggets and so much wisdom. I really appreciate you doing this, man. This has been great. Oh, no problem. Uh, hopefully I didn't bore folks too much. And um, like I'd say at clinics, I mean, hopefully, and you've done this long enough. Um, you, you know, if you think you're ever listening to a podcast, go to a clinic and it's just going to be, you're going to have your notepad full of stuff. I hardly run into that. What I look for when I listen to a podcast like yours or go to a clinic, I'm looking for one or two things. And hopefully mm-hmm. in all of this, maybe there's one or two little nuggets that um, someone can try th- their program because I'm not sure if we're doing it the right way, but we're doing it our way. Mm-hmm. That's what we've always said. There's a right, wrong, and different. If we all do it together, we'll get there. And I think that's, that's the game of football. I think I saw somebody post the other day, and I've said it before, football is just so awesome. You see air raid, you see wing tee, you see, you know, stick Maryland. Those all work, and they work. It doesn't matter what offense you run, as long as 11 guys understand it, and they're all bought into doing it. And mm-hmm. it can work. I mean, that's the thing. It just comes to buy-in, and guys buying in and being part of it, and our kids do that, a great job of that. Mm-hmm. Coach, that is awesome. Coach, thank you for your time. I know you're a busy man. I really appreciate you coming on the podcast today. Uh, No problem. Appreciate it, Coach.